Thank you for engaging. And oh my goodness, did you pick a great day to engage with our Georgia Baptist Discipleship family? Now I need to take a moment and share where we are headed for 2022. We've got several incredible interviews lined up with some of the top leaders in the nation. And they're going to include people like Brent Wright, president of Send Relief IMB, Dr. Johnny Hunt, senior vice president with NAM Evangelism Leadership, and obviously a living legend. Super excited about you guys hearing some of the information and wisdom that Dr. Johnny will be dropping. We've also got Jim Putman, former three-time All-American wrestler, pastor of one of the fastest growing multi-site churches in America. He's a co-founder of Real Life Ministries, and he's going to be talking with Chad Harrington about some key insights from their book, The Revolutionary Disciple. We got an interesting talk with Kyle Walker and Chris Winford. We're going to be talking through this topic. Has preaching changed during the pandemic, and are there any potential long-term effects and you're going to love the discussion we have with Jim Allen, Senior VP with the Atlanta Braves. He's going to be talking about marketplace ministry, how we're not talking enough about it, and how every church in America should be involved. So just lots of really cool things that are happening. And we are going to be going to an every other week broadcast. And we'll publish a monthly schedule ahead of time, like January first week, so you'll know what's coming up. That way you can mark your calendar. So, all right, PJ, that's enough of 2022. Let's talk about some top highlights and lessons learned from 2021. PJ Dunn, Dr. Dunn is our Northern Region Consultant. Let's start here, buddy. Jump in. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we all started off, what, two years ago with 2020 Vision, and then it got a little blurry, right? Got a little blurry there for a while. We kind of shut down, and then we got into 2021, and we weren't sure if we were in a repeat episode or what was happening. But it looks like we're, we're rounding the year out with some incredible things that God's been doing um, and, and we get to see that every week, right? When we get to meet our pastors, when we go around and we just get to see how God is moving and just really that there's a, a fresh wind heading into 2022. So we do want to pause and, and look back and say like, okay, what, what are some highlights? What did we learn from this last year, right? So if you haven't yet, go ahead and write your name in the chat. Um, that's very, very important as always. And we want to know where you're watching from. So maybe say that and maybe what your favorite Christmas movie is. We'll throw that in as a fun <laughs> Uh, kind of oh, yes. Right. So, OK, <clears throat> which. Um, all right. So here we go. Real friendship is real discipleship. You know, I, I when I came on board, Scott, um, it hasn't been quite two years. So a year and a half ago, a little over a year and a half ago, um, we just said, hey, let's just go move the needle on discipleship. And this is a, a word that God really spoke to me was just that real friendship is real discipleship. Sometimes we over sensationalize what discipleship is to the point where we make it a, a, this program. And when we had Michael Cat on, man, what what a great reminder it was that a, a life uh, long discipleship commitment is not a program. It's not something that we have to, to do regimented and all that, but it really is being a friend. It's being there long term and it's and it's and it's been vesting in people. And, and that kind of reminded me of one of my favorite books that we've read uh, together as a team, which is Disciple Making Culture. Um, and that was with Brandon Gindon. Highly recommend that book. But one of my favorite quotes is without love, your ministry efforts are worthless. And if any um, of our Southwest pastors are watching today, even though I'm in the North region, they've heard me give that quote because I just believe it's foundational to what we do in the local church and being committed um, to that. One of the guys that I got to meet in the local church uh, that really understood this was Dr. Marcus Glass there in Albany, Georgia. And, you know, he talked to us on a, on a broadcast about uh, shifting our mindset of discipleship, right? How, how, how can we be disciple makers 
And, and really for us, Scott, right, we do that in learning communities. We get to know one another. We're gonna talk more about those learning communities, but learning communities, that's where it's at, getting together with other people to change how we've always thought, well, maybe we need to always do that way, man. Even guys that have been in ministry 20, 30 years are coming to these learning communities and going, man, I've never thought about that. And so just yeah. shifting our mindset, right? That's just, that's just so huge. So that, that's my first one. That was my first yeah. big takeaway. Well, that's a great one, PJ, because I love the idea because it does take a mindset shift from where we were, which is a very programmatic come to a location, come be a part of a group and not necessarily relational. It reminds me, uh, do you remember the, the episode with Ben Mandrell? And his comment yeah. was the quality of the conversation is the relationship. Hmm. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, what a great, just gold nugget. Because when you're with somebody to be fully with that person in yeah. conversation that you care about what they're doing and, uh, and discipleship can't happen without that. That's super. Hey, jump into a second one here. Yeah. So, you know, we just got to take action as being disciple makers. Like so many times we consume this information. We read a book, we, we get a program, we get an idea, but as leaders, we just need to learn how to draw the net in discipleship um, commitments. And I never thought of that until we had Tim Williams on, right? Tim came on, he's part of our evangelism team in South Georgia. And he came on and he talked about drawing that net in evangelism and how the same thing needs to happen in discipleship. We need to ask people to make those commitments. I never thought of that, Scott. I'm a little intimidated sometimes to ask somebody to meet me for coffee every week or what do I do? But just being bold and making a clear and concise, um, actionable step for somebody to be a disciple maker or to be discipled. Um, another fun one that goes along with taking action is, uh, you know, we had the Kendrick brothers on and they were so much fun. Oh, it's a home run. I mean, they made fun of everything, but it's great. You know, like we, we had, we had just, uh, it was like hanging out with friends, right? Like yeah, maybe yeah. even college buddies. I don't know. So when they talked about show me the father and, and just how it relates to generational discipleship, like, come on, like that's a take action kind of film. Like there was nothing about that that said, go home and be passive and think about it. Like you left feeling compelled to just go take on the world. And, and I love that. Um, and, and I'd be remiss not to do a quick shout out um, to Matthew, right? One of our, our consultants over there, and he's going to talk more about this, but just, you know, to make disciples when you're too busy requires you to take action. Again, nothing's going to change unless you change it. And the Gibbs family, man, just modeled that hundred percent. And it was one of my more, more memorable uh, broadcasts as well. Yeah. And I love, you've got, you've got a third one here. And I love this one. And it was a, it was a strong broadcast and it was great wisdom learned because and I remember, you remember Carl Vader's, the uh, Small Church Essentials. We had that broadcast, just, man, thousands of people watched it. But he talked about volunteers, how specifically important they were to the small church. And he talked about mentoring and multiplying were keys for that small church. What was your takeaway when you, because you noted as volunteers driving your mission forward was a big takeaway for you? Man, they really do, right? And so since covid 19 has happened, you know, we've tried to figure out how do we reinvigorate volunteer culture. And it's not just a light switch and it's not one sermon, right? We got to have this culture that, that does that. And Ricky Smith was on um, from Columbus, Georgia, and man, they're just doing that over there. And he said something that really stuck with me is that we need to choose the ministries that matter most because we have fewer volunteers. So we can't just expect to keep doing the same level of things at an excellence um, that we were before. We just got to make some choices. Now we may bring back some of those. Not everything's forever. Like I think Scott in 2021, we all forgot that not everything is forever. And, and so we're doing things for a season to do that. So maybe we pair back for a season to do less 
things better. And so surveying your congregation to figure out what that is, don't just assume that you know what you should do, right? Ask people and see what do we need to resource and then what volunteers do we have to make that happen in 2022 and, and making that, um, that strategic shift, right? That's great. Now, for our leaders, one thing that we always talk about that's very important is to try to help our leaders take a next step. And, and growing personally and professionally is one of those steps, right? So yeah. give us one for 2022 that our leaders need to be aware of that's coming in January. Yeah, walk through the Bible. Boo, boo, boo. Like, <laughs> I mean, that is such a cool name, right? And you just know what they do from, from step one. So, so you have nothing to lose if you're watching this as a leader or a pastor or, or if, you're, if you're anywhere in Georgia, you need to be at one of these events. And so January 13th at First Baptist Cartersville, January 20th at Second uh, Baptist Warner Robbins, and then January 27th in North Valdosta. So we had all three major sections there. We're doing this walk through the Bible tour, and I think it's going to be worth your time to come do it. It's free. Um, you're going to get some food when you come there, but you're going to walk away saying, hey, how can I internalize this for my church? And can I partner with maybe other churches to make it happen? So great next step. Probably the most amazing stat that Phil total threw out was that Bible engagement is the single greatest predictor of spiritual maturity. So putting this, something like this in front of our people and helping our people gain a passion and a love for the word of God is always just got to be a home run. All right. Now, folks, listen, um, I do need to give you a couple of reminders. Our team loves giving stuff away. So make sure that you leave a comment because uh, we're going to take a name from the comments and we're going to do a drawing for a $50 gift card. So go ahead and drop your name where you're watching from now. But wait, there's more. If you share a link, you get entry into a drawing for another $50 gift card. So if you'll share this link, we're going to give a second $50 gift card away based on who shared the link. So you can go ahead and do that now. Matter of fact, if you shared that second time, you just may win a home loan version Lego set complete with Kevin, Marv, and Harry. All right. I'm just saying, I'm just saying I'm up in the ante. All right. Ray Sullivan, Southern Discipleship Consultant in the Southern Kingdom. Talk to us, buddy. What were some of your top lessons learned? Oh man, so much in 2021. And we started talking about doing this and I was thinking, gosh, you know, where do we even begin? So many things that, that came out of 2021 and a lot of it was on our broadcast. And I think one of the things that we'll be doing when this, uh, you know, goes live is, is putting some of these uh, links to some of these broadcasts um, there for you. So you can go back right. and review some of this stuff and Man, don't forget about our Vimeo page and our YouTube page. If there's some of these videos or stuff that you've forgotten about or didn't get a chance to watch, you can always go back uh, and check those out. But Scott, we started talking about this and, and I just started thinking, man, what were the big things that jumped out, you know, for me in, in 2021? And, and one of them really kind of goes back into 2020, but I saw it kind of flesh itself out in 2021. And that was a quote uh, that I read from Tim Elmore. And Tim said this, he said, more time with fewer people equals greater kingdom impact. And, and you know, I, I thought about that. And I thought, you know, in 30 years of ministry for me, everything I was ever taught was how to minister to groups, how, how to deal with crowds, how to get more people involved. And, and I think that's where a lot of our pastors, a lot of our leaders are. And we feel like if, if we don't have the big crowds or we don't have a lot of people, then we're not making a difference. And when you go back and you look at Jesus and you look at what Jesus did you know, he ministered to the crowds, but man, he was so intentional 
about the 12. That's where he spent the majority of his time, and even more than that, the three. And he really poured into that, and I began to think about that, and I've watched that over the past year of how leaders, and I've seen this in our learning communities, leaders lead leaders. And pastors and staff members, you know, we've got to get back to finding those two or three or four people uh, that God has placed in our church that he really wants us to pour into, to spend a little bit more time with, uh, because that's where that's where influence comes. And, and I was thinking about our broadcast, and I remember the one we did with Brent Crow uh, yeah. from Student uh, Leadership University, and Brent was talking about time management. And I guess that's what, you know, Matthew's going to be talking about, and PJ was talking about that a few minutes ago, because we begin to think about disciple making and you're like, and I hear this all the time is, do I have to add one more thing to my schedule? And so that man, that talk we had, Scott, with Brent on, you know, managing your time and, and, and carving out, not adding to, but carving out and maybe doing away with some things that you don't need to be spending as much time on. So you could lead leaders more time with fewer people, down the road equals greater kingdom impact, man. That is just good lodged in my mind. And I, I just keep thinking about how do we flesh that out in our, in the lives of our pastors and our church leaders. Now, Ray, what you and PJ have mentioned is going to require a mindset and rhythms shift for mm-hmm. many of our leaders. And perhaps my, my favorite quote that you see the concept in the watershed principle, and we'll drop a link to the watershed booklet as well is that loving your model more than your ministry will limit your gospel impact. And many of our leaders are stuck doing the same things the same way. And we don't really even know why we're doing it. It's just the way we were brought up doing it. But, but what we are finding with many of our leaders is when they make these mindset and rhythm shifts, they can become the leader that you're talking about and some of these things that PJ have dropped. Now let's go to a second one, because I know that Donald Whitney made a real impact with his interview. He made a real impact with me as I had an opportunity to study under him when I was working on my D-Men stuff. And I, I tell you, it was a, it was a life-changing season for me uh, going through that and studying with him and reading through about spiritual disciplines. And one of the things that he said in that interview, and I would challenge all of our guys, go back and, and watch that again and again and again. I mean, I was just burning up the page making notes. But he talked about spiritual disciplines, and and he said in that spiritual disciplines, he said, you know what? And this was this is one of those kind of, you know, those those moments that really kind of strike you kind of hard. But it's so true. He said we have a problem when many of our pastors are not practicing disciplines yet responsible disciple others. And I'm telling you, I'm not just talking about our pastors that are out there. I'm talking about me. It's it's one of those things where a lot of us were never mentored. We weren't taught those things. We're trying, we're hoping our other people in our churches are doing this stuff. And, and we've, we've never done that. We don't know how to practice spiritual disciplines. As you can tell, I've not done very good at fasting over the years. You know, that's not <laughs> one of my big things and silence and solitude, you know, th- those type things. So, so not, not spiritual disciplines in the, in the realm of man, you've just got to be so orderly and so strict in all these, but, but that was just such a powerful thing. And, and he said in that, we asked him, we said, Dr. Whitney, what, what are the two probably most important spiritual disciplines um, for for not just our church members, but our pastors. And, and I remember this, Scott, he said, Bible intake and prayer. Yes. And, and man, that discussion was so good because here, here's the thing. He said, there's a difference between Bible exposure and Bible intake. And, you know, a lot of people, as we get into January 1st, we're starting a new year. People want, you know, we want to read the Bible through a year. We want to have this daily reading plan. 
And a lot of people are just being exposed to the Bible, but they really don't know how to take it in. They don't know how to meditate on scripture. They don't know how to, they don't know how to digest it. And so one of the things that you've said uh, so often is, you know, people are coming to church week in and week out, and they're just sniffing the meal that the pastor has been cooking all, all week. And, and so that, man, that discussion was just big for me. And I've been thinking through how do we help our pastors and our staff on that side of Bible intake? Yeah. Um, really getting, getting that word into our lives. Yeah. And Ray, I noticed that when our leaders are not regularly in the word, this is one piece of that interview with Donald that, that hit me is when our leaders are not regularly in the word, they get tired and their schedule becomes over busy. There's a, there's a natural thought that goes to when you get tired and you're over busy, then people begin to think to transition. They begin to think to leave the church. What can I get, you know, an extra $500 or where can I go and it be less stressful, but that's not always the best step. And I love, do you remember the episode with Alan Jackson and Tim Dowdy? It was back in February and they talked about when to transition. Just one of the, one of my favorite ones of the whole year. And they talked about, you, you can think about transitioning when you have that sense of I ought to be doing something else, that holy unsettledness or, you know, seeking mm-hmm. wisdom from godly mentors, saturate yourself in the scripture and with prayer for guidance. And what you're talking about and what Donald Whitney was um, portraying to all of us is the importance of being regularly in the word and then the saturation of living a life of prayer. Gosh, that was so good. Yeah. And I'll tell you this one thing I'll just add to that real quick, Scott, is um and I'll admit this, you know, my father used to drive me crazy. He was, he's in ministry and um, he, he would drive me crazy when I would go through these times that I would say, like I was in a funk, you know, things were just kind of off and, and he would just always come back and he had a way of, he would just say, well, you know, how's your quiet time? How's your personal time with the Lord? And man, I hated that because yeah. I knew he was dead on. And uh, when I, when I began to get away from that and I, maybe I was just going through the motions, it just, everything else began to come unravel. So that, yeah. what, a, what a great interview with Don Whitney. Yeah, one last thing. Scott, I went and checked Twitter real quick, and it turns out that hashtag smell what the pastor's cooking is trending right now. So I just want to give a shout out to Ray. Um, I'm just, I just, I don't know how those things happen. It's the internet. Also, it sounded like a great plug for uh, Walk Through the Bible again, Ray. So I just wanted to yeah, plug that in there too, real quick. I was thinking the same thing. This is all about Walk Through the Bible. But Scott, let me give you one more. Okay. Um, it was so hard to try to, to, to try to narrow this down. And I know our guys um, have a lot going on, so we want to be mindful of time. But, hey, there was a great discussion that we had, uh, I think it was back in, I don't know, it was March or early in the summer or something, with Gary Lewis from First Baptist Rankin and Scott Smith from Lakeside uh, up in Gainesville. And, man, what a great discussion we had on can Sunday school and small groups coexist. Mm-hmm. This is something I run into so much in South Georgia, as most of our pastors have been doing Sunday school, yep. and um, they're not going to get away from Sunday school, and their churches are not going to let them get away from Sunday school. But, but can 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 you start small groups? Is there a way for these two uh, to come together? And these are these are two guys in their church, the churches that are doing both. And I love the illustration that that Gary Lewis gave, and I'm gonna steal it from him. I use it all the time, and he talked about. You know, it's it's kind of like Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is all about chicken. Nobody ever doubts what their product is, but they present it in different ways. And you got chicken, you got grilled chicken, you got fried chicken, you got chicken nuggets, you got chicken salads, you got different kind of chicken, but it's all chicken. And and he he talked about the importance of you know Sunday school and small groups, they they have the same goals, but sometimes they're just a different presentation. 
And man, that was just valuable to me. I got so much out of that, uh, that day when we were talking about that. And I've had a lot of pastors that, that are friends of mine down here and in our learning communities that have gone back and discussed that and talked about how can, how can we begin to maybe start some small groups if that's what some of our people need. I was just talking with a pastor just recently that said, you know, we, we have always had community groups. That's the way we've done discipleship. But this past year, he's seen the need to kind of create some other avenues. So, so they're looking at asking their people, depending on what season of life they're in, get into one of these opportunities. You can't necessarily do them all, but is it a one-on-one or is it a one-on-two? Is it a, is it a, a, a community group? Is it kind of a, a men's group or a women's group? Whatever it is during that season, what's the different presentation you need? to get that maturity and that level on that relationship with Jesus through discipleship. And so I, I would just encourage our guys go back and check out that discussion with Gary Lewis and Scott Smith yeah. on can, can small groups and, and Sunday schools coexist? Cause a lot of our guys are dealing with that. Yeah. And whichever you choose, do it really well. Yeah. You stay yeah. focused on one, do it really well. If you do both, do it really well. And Ray, I really love Alan Taylor's take because what, what we're talking about, you know, with the local church, whether we do groups or focus on large group, small group, the individual person, um, a balanced approach is what we talk about. Alan Taylor said the two most important things to God are found in his church and it's his word and it's his people. So this discussion about how we're going to do it, we have got to keep talking and chewing on it and working it out and forever trying to reach people and make disciples. Now you've got a next step for leaders that's happening next year as well. Oh, so excited. Hey, Spark 2022 is coming back. We have just had a blast uh, putting Spark together for the last couple of years. We have gone uh, really all online with that, but this year is going to be hybrid. So we're going to be in person and online, and we're going to be all over the state of Georgia, uh, up in Gainesville at Christ Place Church, Marietta, Eastside Baptist Church. We're going to move to the middle of the state down there with Matthew Gibbs, uh, and uh, Jim Purdue there at Second Baptist and Warner Robins. And then down here in the South regions on both sides of the state over in Rinkin uh, with Gary Lewis at First Baptist Rinkin and then at Bind Memorial in Albany. So plenty of opportunities for you, whether you can join online or in person uh, for Spark 22. It's going to just fill up the whole month of August. That's it. So they're going to be five in-person locations. They're going to basically be on Saturdays, maybe a little variation. And we're going to give you the exact dates and locations. You'll see that promoted Um, on the Georgia Baptist Mission Board site and email starting in January. But I do want to tell you a special thing that's happening. You know, Spark started, it's a Georgia thing, and it was our major church strengthening tool. We were averaging about 1,100 people. The last two years, we trained about 6,000 people each year because it went fully online. This coming year, we now have 12 state conventions that are going to be using Spark for training in their state. So training could go from 6,000 to 30,000, 40,000 people. So we're super excited about that. And we hope that you will use it in your church to train your folks. Now, Carl Johnson, he's our discipleship consultant in the West Central region. Carl, jump on here. You had a couple of lessons learned, best practices that you were going to mention. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I'm the new kid on the block. And (laughs) about the time I joined, uh, there was a broadcast about knowing your community And about that time, I was actually reading a book called Loving Your Community uh, by Steve Vars, and he's a pastor out in Indiana. And the book gave a a plethora of ideas about, you know, how to resource your community, you know, things like uh, 
counseling, substance abuse programs, adult daycare, community centers, outreach events, and just all kinds of things. And as I was thinking about all of that, I was considering, you know, of course, he gave a biblical basis for loving your community. That's what every church should do. They should serve their community well uh, and reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, but as I thought about, all of these ideas are great, but all of them don't fit all neighborhoods. There you go. And so, so how are you going to distinguish, you know, what you should be doing? And, and, and Steve did, did a good job uh, at writing the book, Great Ideas. And one of the things that his church is known for is counseling. Uh, they've got 132 lay counselors in their church alone. That is not the norm, people. And so uh, obviously their community really needs that. And so as I listened to this broadcast with uh, Dr. PJ, thank you so much. I learned so much about glue and Christy Shotwell. Uh, I was uh, putting, you know, the pieces together. You know, I was connecting yeah. the dots and data is the missing piece there to mm -hmm. know how to love your community. And, and even what, what you said earlier, PJ, about uh, uh, without love, ministry efforts are worthless. So all of this ties together. And, and you, know, you were quoting from the book, Disciple Making Culture. And so I see how uh, each plays a part. And so the broadcast gave some, some, some very good information about how data will convey to us some things about our ministry context that just aren't on the surface. Mm -hmm. and, and we can understand things that Otherwise, we would not. Uh, for example, one of the things that was mentioned was that there are 2,600 data points that they collect uh, with the demographics that they give you. And this is a whole lot more than just, uh, you know, gender and sex and married or single. Mm -hmm. But you're able to not just get a snapshot, but to get the whole big picture. And so yeah. that in itself just changes the whole ball game. You know, and, and yeah, you know, many times we, we do things just because that's the way they've always been done. You know, when I first started out in church ministry, it was like, okay, what did the last person do? So we'll do that too. <laughs> and you know, we we just got to change our mindset from 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 that type of approach, and it informs our strategy for reaching our community. Uh, knowing exactly what's going on, the, 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 the pain points, the pressure points. You can even find out what marriages are in distress. You can find out the income data, uh, uh, debt ratio, uh, because that puts a lot of stress on relationships, et cetera. And you're able to, to uh, design ministry uh, to meet the need that's in your specific communities. Yeah. So it, it, Glue, G-L-O-O, -O, as PJ said, it's not like the glue you use, not like Elmer's glue. It's, just it's not like the glue that PJ sniffs. It's a, no. it's a database. No. I was going to say like the glue that Carl is to our team that holds oh. us together. But you went a really dark way with it. Oh, my goodness. Now, Carl, you had a you had a second part in there about talking about making, not just making disciples, um, but versus making converts. And that was a really interesting mm -hmm. distinction, I think, in one of your interviews you had with Joey Rogers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Joey had written a book, Five Marks of a, a Disciple. But, you know, we all would agree that, that Jesus has given us a mandate to make disciples. 
and nobody's going to deny that command. And we've all been working hard to do that. And Joey made a, a, a statement in his book. He said, disciples make disciples. Now, as true as that is, when you look at most churches, and, and, and I've been a part of that two decades ago, they only make first generation disciples. Mm. And, mm. and we need to look at how do we move beyond that to make second and third and fourth generation disciples. I heard Matthew use that, that terminology. And that's exactly what we need to be doing, making disciples who make disciples. And okay, so Carl, so where do we start there? Because I can imagine we have leaders listening right now. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love what you're talking about. But I don't know where to start because I've never been modeled to do that. Exactly. Well, the first place you start is creating a discipleship pathway, creating mm -hmm. a strategy. And part of that strategy is first understanding what your target is. You need to clearly define what is a disciple. Then you know what you're aiming at. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit the bullseye every time. It's a good word. So once you get those questions answered, then you put together a pathway that clearly shows how you get from point A to point B or point D or whatever uh, type of uh, uh, structure you choose. And then you're going to be on the right road to making disciples who make disciples. And also part of that is building a disciple making culture. Yes. And in order to do that, you want to get buy-in from your key leaders. That's what Jesus did. He started with just 12 and he poured into those guys so much to the point that when he was gone, they did the same thing he did. He promised them that they would do that. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What a strategy. And it worked. 2000 years later, here we are doing the same thing. So that's, that's kind of your, your next step. Yeah. And you don't be discouraged. Uh, the, the, the third thing that really uh, captivated me was, was the, uh, the uh, broadcast with Michael Catt. And he said something about interim pastors. And, and most of us know that uh, he is transitioning now from being the senior pastor. Uh, and uh, he's got a succession plan. And he said, in a sense, all of us are interim pastors. And it doesn't matter how you began, but it's much more important how you finished. Oh, yeah. So if you began yep. Yep. with absolutely no clue about making disciple makers, absolutely no clue about creating a discipleship culture, no clue about a discipleship pathway, it's not too late. Mm. You can it's still great. build a legacy yep. of making disciple makers just like Jesus did. That's we great. need to sing just as I am right now, Scott. I mean, there needs to be an invitation right here. That's right. That'd be, that'd be great. Hey, and Chuck Lewis agrees with you. Uh, sorry, Chuck Lawless <laughs> agrees with you. Um, Chuck I Lewis remember, does too, a lot. Yeah, Chuck Lewis, we love Chuck Lewis. But Chuck Lawless, he, I remember in his episode, he, he made this quote. He said, we should be able to tell every person who comes to join our church, here's your next step. Yep. That, that's our responsibility as a pastor, as a staff member of the church, is to give them next steps to create a pathway that can grow continuously towards the Lord. Now, Carl, you've got a next step for leaders. we got a, a neat opportunity that's coming up in May, right? M.E. Essentials? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be at North Metro Baptist in Lawrenceville, Georgia. 
and it's a two-day event. It's worth your time. There are going to be lots of breakouts. Ken Braddy with LifeWay and our very own Scott Sullivan is going to be training the attendees on the essential skills to succeed at making disciples and being successful as a discipleship pastor, uh, minister of education, whatever your title may be. Uh, you don't want to miss that. It's going to be in May of 2022. That's right. Now, PJ was telling me that that event is going to be limited in the number they accept. So in January, we'll put out some promotion on that, and it's going to be a first come, first serve. Now, Matthew Gibbs, discipleship consultant in our middle, what the central east, east central region there. Taught now, one of my favorite episodes with you, Matthew, was how to make disciples when you're too busy. Yeah, I completely identified with you. I mean, I was just Every word y'all were talking about, it was like you were not just talking to me, you were talking at me, right? So give me some of your best practices. Well, first of all, let me just say, I've been biting my lip the whole time waiting for my turn because I can identify with just about everything these guys have said. Mm -hmm. and, and many of their favorite episodes were mine as well. You know, uh, Ray, when we, when we talk about Dr. Whitney, of all the books that I had to read in seminary, as they say, Mm -hmm. One that probably was one of the most impactful was Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines of Christian Life. And that really impacted me. Uh, and then several things that PJ and, and Carl said as well. So I would just say I echo, you know, their their sentiments about some of those things. And uh, and Scott, I was I was really encouraged and blessed uh, to be able to, to be a part of a, an interview with my own family. Uh, as most of you know, uh, our discipleship tribe, I'm part-time, like, uh, like Carl is, I'm in the trenches, full-time on staff here. So, you know, just like the rest of you guys, we're busy. And one of the things that I have noticed in talking with pastors around the state is, is a lot of guys, nobody's saying, no, I don't need to make disciples. They're just saying, I don't know how I'm going to do it with everything else I've got to do. And so I have a very busy family, you know, lots of, you know, all my kids are older and active and go in different directions. My wife is a uh, elementary school, primary school principal, you just, you know, busy, busy lives. But we all have learned that if we're going to be disciple makers, we have to create, and this is my favorite word now, we have to create margin in our lives to do that. It has mm -hmm. to be something that you value enough to do. And so it was, it was really fun to talk about how that's impacted each of our lives. My, my daughter's now she's 23. Uh, and she's a personal disciple maker. Uh, my wife, uh, full-time principal, mom, extraordinaire. She makes time to, to disciple a, a group of young girls. And I'm discipling some guys. And, and I guess in addition to that, all of us as, as, uh, as consultants are really kind of discipling pastors and becoming disciple makers. Mm -hmm. And it's because we know how important this is. We know what God has called us to do. It's not a question of if we're supposed to make disciples. That's the commandment. It's just a matter of if we're going to value it enough to make time for it and be intentional in our lives to do it. And if you value something enough, you'll create the time. And it may be that you have to let go of some other things in order to do that. That's good, Matthew. And I, I remember you saying something during this episode, and it was something to the effect that busy schedules are breeding ground for conflict. And that was something that really stuck with me because, and if you remember Frank Cox at a pastor at North Metro, he was on and he was talking about, you know, the friendly fire, 
in the church. And he, he said, there's three things that you got to do. You got to take up your cross, which you just got to know difficult times are going to come, embrace it, stick it out, take off your crown. You're not infallible and you're not sovereign. Right. Yeah. So you're going to make mistakes and don't judge your people by the same standard you judge yourself. Then then he said, go, go to your Gethsemane. And man, when he said that, that brought me all the way back to your comments about creating margin for time alone with God. Put the big rocks first and then the smaller rocks uh, put in, in place there. Man, I'm just so good, Matthew. I'm so grateful for your input in that. Now, do you have any other ones that you would share with us today? Yeah, I would do. Let me just add this too, Scott. There's something else we talked about, and, and this, it was a statistic that, that I discovered right before we did that broadcast, and I think I put it in a blog. I think in our, in our society, in our culture, the statistic is 10% or less and people actually feel like they have control of their schedule. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you remember that, that study with, or that uh, broadcast with Brent Crow just talking yeah. about managing our time and that kind of stuff. Uh, I think I made this statement uh, or I made two. One is I don't, I don't have, nobody has to teach me how to waste time. Probably any of us. We, uh, and also the other thing is if you don't schedule and plan your time and decide what's valuable, somebody else will. And when it comes to making disciples, you just have to decide you're going to do it and then make the time to do it, even if you don't do some other things. Now, I'm not telling you to neglect your family or neglect ministry opportunities, but one of the great things that leaders should be able to do is ask the question, what do I have to do? What must I do? And what should somebody else do and me not do so that I can do what I have to do? And I think those things are important. Hey, maybe... Maybe one other one that that uh, that uh, was really impactful to me, and it's one that PJ and I did real recently, is uh, the one with Ray Bennett on uh, warrior discipleship. Mm. Oh yeah, and you know I'm in a I'm so in a military good. town, and uh, and so that really intrigued me when I met Ray. What he was doing, he's he's a retired pastor, retired chaplain, and just has a heart for veterans. Um, and I begin to think about, you know, all of, uh, all of our churches probably have men and women in that church that are veterans, uh, and we need to allow them to, to be able to tell their story and minister and, and find a place to serve and minister and be part of the disciple-making process. But here's the other thing that came out of that for me, uh, and, and a lot of these guys have mentioned this already. One of the foundational things of genuine discipleship, and Ray, you mentioned this, is relationships. It's, it's got to be relational. Um, you know, I, I know some guys and some pastors, they're really trying to get this disciple-making thing off, but it can't just be checking boxes. Our, our group's meeting each week, and, and we're checking off that we've memorized scripture, that we've done our daily Bible reading. reading. It's got to be based in that relationship, and that's one of the things that came out of that, that interview with Ray and, and the things we talked about. Not only just the incredible opportunities we have to uh, to be able to, to minister to veterans, but just the whole concept of yes. how important relationships are to the disciple-making process. I know we've used the term 2 a.m. friends before. These are guys, once you're in that group with those guys, they're guys you could call at 2 a.m. if you had a question you were, or you know, there was something you were struggling with. These guys would come to your rescue because you have that kind of foundational relationship with them. Well, guys, I'm so grateful that each of you are on this team. And what is interesting to me too is you are serving uh, each of you have about 500 churches that you're serving, but you are also sharing things and, and investing in people all over the world.
because that's who's on Georgia Baptist Discipleship in our Facebook group, YouTube, Instagram. And, um, and so thank you for what you do. Now, I want to I ask our audience something real quick. If you're on our Facebook group, I want you to chat something real quick. What are the key questions that leaders are going to have to answer to be successful in this future church? Hmm. I want you to think about this for a second. What are, what are the things that are happening right now and in what is coming? Be a, th- a future tense thinker. What do we need to, what are the questions we have to struggle with, we have to deal with if we're going to be successful in the future church? I'd love for you to put that in the chat now. Um, I'm hoping we have a long strand of, of thoughts and comments there because I'm working on a blog of that. Let me give you two of them that I think are absolutely have to be included in this discussion. The first one is, do you have an intentional plan to disciple your people that is simple and sustainable? That's the first question I believe leaders are going to have to answer. Here's a second one. Diversity. Are you willing to make necessary shifts so that your church looks like heaven and your community? Mm -hmm. Those are two questions I think we're going to have to deal with. But I think there may be three or four more that uh, would be great to include. So please drop that in the chats there. Let me close our time out here. Yeah, go ahead. I I just wanted to add. Yeah, I needed to. to Here we go. You put all five of us on one broadcast. Yep. It's it's going to be a mess. Hey, but listen, for the guys that are listening today and people that are watching today, uh, we talked about using your time and managing your time. And uh, so one of the things that we've tried to do with these broadcasts, is we put them in several different platforms. So many of you are out on the road and you're driving and you may not be aware, but all of this is put on a podcast as well. So if you go to your favorite podcast platform and go to Georgia Baptist Discipleship, these same discussions without video, which may be better for you, to be quite be honest, you don't have to see us every day, but these same discussions are available on podcasts and you can listen to this and grab some of this insight from some of these people we're talking to while you're driving down the road. So you maximize that time. A bonus that, to the video is that I can now point out your life without time management and your life with time management. <laughs> there you go. So that that way that, you can a visual. It's a heaven and hell. <laughs> it's one of those. <laughs> hey, Matthew Gibbs. Matthew yes, Gibbs. Let me let me give you a last word here, and then I'm gonna close this out because right. I know that there's a there's something we're doing in Georgia that is now being replicated throughout the nation, and we call them learning communities. We have 38, maybe 39 now with over 250 leaders meeting. Tell our viewers about what's going on. So that's super helpful if you're in Georgia, but if you're not, it may be something you can start in another state. Yeah, thanks for letting me do that, Scott. I just want to, I really want to put a plug in for our learning communities that we have throughout the state. Uh, This is one of my favorite things that we are doing right now where we are gathering with pastors and leaders and just even lay people who have a heart and a passion to learn more about disciple making and how they can grow to be a personal disciple maker and lead their church to become disciple making. All those things we talked about, creating that culture, having that intentional pathway, all those things. And these groups are meeting all over our state and we would love to get you involved in one of these. In fact, I'll just say this, if you're in the north end of the state, the south end of the state, and you're not close to one of those, PJ or Ray will start a new one for you. They'll be glad to start a disciple, one of these uh, one of these discipleship learning communities. But, but we have them all over the state, and we'd love to get you involved in them. I sent out an email uh, to a bunch of the key guys in the learning communities I'm involved in around the East Central part and just asked them, hey, give me one thing that you have learned this year from being in our learning community, some way that this has helped you. And I've got, I mean, most of them said, wow, you want me only to give one? They, they started giving me these things. And, and I, I wrote them down here and there's no time, you know, we don't have time to go through all of them, but just, you know, I had a, a, 
a DOM that said, I've learned that from day one, you have to be training leaders and discipling leaders. Another guy who's with our Baptist Collegiate Ministry said, one of the things I've learned is in church, almost every issue or challenge we have is probably related somehow to a discipleship, uh, either a, a problem or a, a lack of discipleship. Yeah. Another guy said, we just, I just learned that I just have to make time to do this. I, it, it's that important. I have to create that margin. There's so many other things. So I hope you will get involved in one of these learning communities. Uh, these guys, uh, they're, they're, they've become great friends of mine. We encourage one another. Uh, we, we share some of our greatest triumphs and our greatest challenges. And, and there is a, uh, there's a synergy in that group. A lot of times a guy comes in, he's struggling with something in an area of discipleship, and another guy may have an answer for that. And that's what it's about. It's not about uh, myself and Carl and PJ and Ray and Scott having all the answers, but gathering us together so that, so that we can learn from one another. So I hope you'll be a part of this. That is great. And you can get that by going to www.gabaptist.org. Um, and you can get, we'll put that link in the chats for you and you can figure out the uh, learning communities, how to get plugged in for sure. Now, listen, friends, that brings me to my closing. Uh, the greatest lesson that I've learned in the last six weeks happened at 4.30 in the morning on the way to a duck blind in Watson, Arkansas. I was with two mentors, my dad and a guy named Kenny Jenkins. And I asked him a question about, hey, what are some of the big questions that we got to wrestle with? What, you know, what needs to happen in the local church for us to make disciples? And they made a statement and they said, people only change for one of two reasons, because they want to or because they need to. They're going to either choose because they, they choose themselves. They want to do it or they have to do it. And man, it just struck me that that's where we are in the local church. My prayer is that you'll take some of the nuggets that these guys have shared today and you'll begin to implement a plan to make the necessary shifts so that you can be a disciple maker that changes the world and create churches that make disciple makers that change the world. We're so grateful to be able to serve you. Lana Melton, thank you for producing today. And I want to remind our listeners that the only reason we're able to do this is because you give to the cooperative program. So thank you for doing that. And on behalf of our Georgia Baptist Discipleship, Team, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and I pray that today's discussion will equip and inspire you to multiply disciples, multiply groups, and multiply churches that make world-impacting disciple-makers.